Hey, all you holistic hipsters out there, it's that time. So grab your chalice of choice and sit back and sip along with us. We would love to welcome you to the Tea Podcast, where we spill the tea on all things holistic in the pet grooming industry. Let me introduce you to our hostesses with the mostesses. She is the socialite of skin and coat care, Ms. Michelle Knowles. And the queen bee of all things oily, Ms. Melissa Conti-Diener. Brought to you by TheOilyGroomer.com Are you searching for a new and more mindful way of grooming? Interested in understanding how to grow your grooming business with a more holistic and organic approach? Please contact Melissa Conti-Diener at TheOilyGroomer.com so that you can set up a meeting and bring balance and prosperity to your life. And AllThingsPaw.com Intermediate and advanced courses in pet esthetician work, fear recovery, animal handling, and more. Get your learn on with all things paw. And by positiveed.com. Attend from anywhere in the world. Always pay the lowest price. Six to ten hours of innovative content and more. Education for every learning lifestyle. Never miss the class you need and transcripts are provided for recordings. Say hello to Pet Professional Education Unleashed with PositiveEd.com. Now, let's get this tea party started. Alrighty then, here we go again with another one in the pot. (laughs) How are you today, Melissa? I'm very good. How are you, Miss Michelle? I am still breathing. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm on the right side of the dirt, as I like yes, to say. Right. <laughs> so what do you have in your cup? Uh, I have in my, I'm multilingual today. If you see my cup, it says, Como se llama? Llama! I love, I love it. it. <laughs> so... I actually have a favorite of mine. It's from the company uh, Celestial Seasonings. They make and they make it at Christmas time, but I stock up whenever they put it because it's a seasonal blend. So they don't Mm -hmm. make it all the time. And it is called Sugar Cookie. And it is one of my favorites. It's a a delightful vanilla blend. Mm -hmm. And it is very uh, soothing. and, And I love I love the smell of vanilla. It's very relaxing. So it's a nice uh, uh, sweet with a little honey. It's it's a nice, nice little light uh, colored tea. Oh, that sounds what's amazing. In, what's in your cup? So today we're sporting. You're going to laugh at me, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is from Dinosaur Zoo my mug that I got from Dinosaur Zoo and there's a backstory. Uh, I love dinosaurs. (laughs) I love dinosaurs. Uh, They make me happy. This is a show that's actually put on by uh, like a Muppeteer group from Australia. And this is, they go on stage and they have life-size dinosaurs on stage that are 
handled by puppeteers inside. And it's a really neat show. It is for children. Uh, and myself I, and I a friend identify who, as a child. <laughs> yes, I will put a, a boot print on a four-year-old's forehead to get to dinosaurs. Yeah. I really will. <laughs> and we were sitting in the front row, and everybody's wondering where our children were. I'm like, no, 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 we're here for this. We're, we've yeah. got the VIP. We've got to meet the puppeteers and touch oh, the dinosaurs. Cool. And it's not like the ones that you just go to and then you see them afar right. or whatever. These were like right there, and they were all i mean you got to see inside the whole nine yards oh, it was cool. just so much fun and they were so realistic and such nice people and uh they do come to our science uh center here in arizona all oh, the time okay. so they partner with them and they bring them in uh so that's that's a yearly thing i believe or every other year but they have other shows if you can catch their shows they're amazing um i forget what their main thing is but you can go to dinosaur live i believe dinosaur zoo live uh australia so yeah, interesting. And inside, we're doing lymphatics today. I want to move my humors, if you will. So we have calendula, cleavers, echinacea, devil's claw, and just a a grain of cayenne. Uh, so that's what we're working with today. Just heat up some some of that water. I just get it moving. Yeah, move it around. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you got one. I bet you're wondering what our topic is today. I was. It was right on the tip of my tongue. Bam! <laughs> Smells like terrier spirit, pet aromatherapy. So that's what we're discussing today. Good. Tell me all about it. I know nothing about pet aromatherapy. <laughs> I was going to ask you. You're the pet aromatherapy lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pun. It's a no. It's a. Is it a pun? Smells like terrier spirit. It's, uh, is that a pun? I don't it's know. supposed to be like, smells like teen spirit, you know, the Nirvana song. I don't know. It's one of those words. Synonym, alliteration, yeah, something. It's, yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> Something I, grammarly that I'm not capable yeah, of. Yeah, I can't figure out. <laughs> right? Yeah, pet aromatherapy is my jam. I have to say that um, I, I do enjoy a good pet aromatherapy session or two or four. <laughs> So how did this come about historically? Like, where did that come from that we decided, okay, we're going to do this? You know, um, aromatherapy in itself has has been used since uh, probably the Middle Ages, uh, right around um, when Western herbalism really started to kind of take a, a, a uh, take a foothold. You know, mm -hmm. um, you're you're talking about the time of uh, like in England, they were making the things that we, we talked about on the other show, the, uh, the poultices and they were treating mm -hmm. medically with a lot of basic mm -hmm. herbal concoctions, decantations, mm -hmm. all that stuff. So, and of course we're making, we're making the, the differentiation too, between incense and aromatherapy as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we've used incense since we could smell stuff uh, right. for religious purposes and to, to carry your words up to the spirits right. and whatnot. So, uh, but I, I'm making that, uh, that differentiation. That and it is, and it is, if you use incense, which of course I use incense, um, mm -hmm. that is a form of aromatherapy in itself. Mm -hmm. uh, the, when they use incense, they're usually dipped in an oil so that they burn 
or some kind of, or it's usually a resin like frankincense they use in the, uh, I grew up Catholic. So mm -hmm. um, the Catholics use the frankincense and the Palo Santo in the smoke that they go down the aisle with, mm -hmm. and, you know. Um, and they, they just kind of throw it on like a little charcoal. Yeah, right? it's like in the sensor. Yeah, it's a resin. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, those are also uh, plants that you can have essential oils out of as well. Mm -hmm. So um, they do count as a form of aromatherapy. Those two things, Palo Santo and frankincense, are known to uh, invoke mm -hmm. a spiritual awakening so to speak you know sure. to, mm -hmm. to really trigger your uh your third eye to open you know your crown chakra um your brow chakra um they uh have um a a resonance um so uh when they use these incense and they use them also in um in yoga and in other religions, you know, Hinduism and Buddhism, um, most spiritual practices have some sort of incense. Mm -hmm. And it is also to bring about, because that smell brings about, whether it's a memory or whether it's a thought provoking smell that makes you think mm -hmm. about different things. So mm -hmm. anything that you can smell and it, has an actual effect uh, what we're looking for is a therapeutic effect mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can be considered aromatherapy that that mm -hmm. aroma is 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 therapeutic to you mm -hmm. it puts you in a different place in your mind it's, to exactly. promote healing or or thoughtfulness or spirituality right. or okay exactly so um but what it does is when we smell that goes up into our nasal passages mm -hmm. and then it triggers that olfactory nerve and mm -hmm. that opens up in the uh, frontal cortex of your brain where we store memory and so when we smell things like uh, I have the sugar cookie tea mm -hmm. it's only at Christmas time it smells to me it reminds me of that you know so you are reminded smell. of Christmas time yeah when you when you drink it right and so mm -hmm. people will um, uh, do things like boil spices on the stove and mm -hmm. uh, like usually apple and uh, citrus peels and they'll throw a cinnamon stick in there. And, sale. and yeah, <laughs> and just let that just let that boil on the and it smells wonderful. Mm -hmm. And that's to make you feel like, oh, this is like this. People will say, oh, this reminds me of home. Mm -hmm. I do know that the longest memory that lasts is the sense of smell. Mm. So even like patients that are uh, that have dementia and right. are fading or whatever, a smell will bring them back quicker than any word or picture oh, or, or sound. Smell. So the, yeah. the sense of smell actually lasts the longest. And they believe that that is tied in with other mammals like dogs and right. cats who have a very advanced sense of smell. At one time, our sense of smell was probably more advanced than it is today. Uh, right now, it's basically just vestigial at this point in yeah. comparison. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah, that's really interesting. So, but for me, it's, uh, it's always been, uh, I always found it very interesting that a 
actual scent of something can stimulate your body to do have a response to that mm-hmm. um whether it's uh, something that's stinky and you you know you're uh, you're abhorrent mm-hmm. to you're like oh yuck um or it's something that i always think it's funny th- certain things that i like that smell good to me somebody mm-hmm. else might smell it and be like oh that's i don't like that at all like i love rose i love almost anything with real true rose not fragrance mm-hmm. oil rose but real right. true rose I love anything with those rose. So when I do wear perfumed, I love it if it has a rose undertone to it. Mm-hmm. My sister, on the other hand, hates rose. <laughs> I, I don't care for rose simply because that once it's synthesized or put into a formula, to my nose, it smells like stinky feet. Like if you try yeah, to spray rose on stinky feet. Yeah. However, if it's a natural extracted smell, that's used in a very pure formulation formulation, but it has to have something that binds it on the lower end. Right. Then that true, like tea rose is my favorite rose. It's just beautiful. It's just lovely. It doesn't have that underlying musk or something that's, that's in roses. I'm, I'm just, that's one of, one of my favorites, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's also just as a side tidbit, it's one of the most expensive oil essential oils mm-hmm. because it takes so many rose petals to create mm-hmm. an ounce of oil. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, and has been used in perfumery for. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Forever. forever. <laughs> yeah. That rose and uh, Ylang Lang and, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then you get those musky citrusy ones and those are usually have bergamot. Mm-hmm. And there, mm-hmm. and that's usually. And there's two different kinds of bergamot when we're talking about aromatherapy and herbalism, if you will. One bergamot in aromatherapy is actually a citrus, right? Uh, and then there's another bergamot that has nothing to do with that, but is also called bergamot that is an herb. Oh, so, really? And yeah. what do they use the other? What do they use the herb for? Um, they use it for um, pop quiz, um. <laughs> right? <laughs> Holy cow. I just learned that there was a difference. I'm sorry. <laughs> there is a difference. So um, I'm in the process of learning all of the herbs that yeah, I, I never, I didn't know that. I had no yeah. idea. So I didn't and, know uh, and it was a surprise to me too. So yeah. I'm learning more as well as I go on and explore, you know, and enhance my knowledge on the subject. So I do know that the one that's used in herbology is not the citrus that they use in right. scent. So, and, or essential oils. It's separate from that. It's a different right. plant. The, uh, the Latin name is different. Oh, okay. So. I know that, um, when you make certain, uh, scents, when they make things like, uh, bay rum, you know, have you ever smelled that? Mm-hmm. A lot of times that will have bergamot in it because it brings about that like musky citrusy kind of smell to it. Um, And there's a lot of variations in pet colognes that we buy that have that kind of smell to it. So always Mm -hmm. be cautious because bergamot is, at least the essential oil, is a a citrus-based oil. So we don't want to use that around felines at all. So I, I have the answer. 
Oh, so the yeah. the, I forgot yeah, the question already, but go ahead. No. <laughs> I, about bergamot. I know. I know. <laughs> so the herbal bergamot is called Bonarda fistulosa. Uh, it is the common names are bee balm, horse mint, oswego. And they are an antibiotic, antifungal, antipyretic, uh, and anti-inflammatory. It is not safe during pregnancy or lactation. Um, nice so know. there, there are a set of herbs that are that are uh, safe for pregnancy and lactation, and then everything else is not basically. Right. So you have to be very careful when you are giving advice to anybody pregnant or a dog that's pregnant. If you're using herbals uh, or essential oils, you should know right. uh, that that dog is either pregnant or has a condition that might contraindicate using something that you want to use. Yeah, it's uh, it is a. Um, a delicate time for their body uh, as a human or as an animal. Yeah. So, uh, so much like, is happening. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's yeah. a, uh, it's a whole lot of stuff going on mm -hmm. changes. If you, yeah. If you want to support someone who is pregnant or lactating, uh, rather than use herbals, unless you know they're safe, you can always use minerals. Minerals are always safe uh, at trace amounts. I'm not saying that she should, be drinking a cup of salt. I'm just saying you know, <laughs> a pinch, you know, to boost up those minerals to keep her healthy would be great. Right. <laughs> I don't so when did you first start using aromatherapy in your practice? Was this something you did from the very, very beginning or did you work into it? What happened? No, I, worked, I worked into it. I actually, um, in another, in another one of our podcasts, I talked about how I got into all the holistic stuff and I, for your I baby. Yes, for my daughter, um, one of my daughters, uh, my oldest daughter. And um, I started to formulate specifically for my child. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always had animals and I did cat rescue at the time. Um, and uh, we did do a little bit of, of canine rescue as well on and off. And so the more I learned, uh, this was before there was um, online classes to take and all that good stuff that we have available to us today. So I just voraciously read everything I could get my hands on at the local library. Um, there really wasn't anything for animals. There really truly wasn't. Um, and uh, what I could find um, usually was on, if, if there was something, it was on herbals. Right. And it would talk about steaming the herbs to release the essential oils from the herb. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't specific to aromatherapy in the mm -hmm. sense that we think of it today, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I just, I, I started to experiment. I just started to, I, dilution is a huge part of aromatherapy and understanding how to dilute and what to dilute with. Mm, um, yeah, that would be important. Yeah. So um, I, I began to do more and more research and um, lo and behold, the internet started to really take form and I was on the message boards. Mm. and got in with a lot of the hippy-dippy granola moms <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And they were using oils and herbs on their pets as well. Mm -hmm. And um, and basically learned from them 
Uh, and then much later, I took co uh, courses through Aroma Head and through Tizarand and um, and a few other uh, online courses for specific to animal aromatherapy, as well as uh, uh, a course at uh, NAU that I took on animals itself. So mm -hmm. um, it was... Uh, it was like a hit or miss, you know, and I always would dilute down so much that I, I would be overly cautious not to uh, give something toxic mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, would gauge everything as as far as uh, how what their reaction was uh, according to what I was trying to do. Isn't that a principle, though? Isn't that an actual field of, of study as well? I forget the actual name of it. You might, I might refresh your memory, but it's when you take the spirit of the herb or the spirit of the oil, you oil, basically right. put one drop in a gallon, shake yep. it up, pour, take one drop of that and put it in a, another gallon of water right. and then pour that and you do it like 12 times or whatever. And you have the spirit of the, of the herb. Right. Um, and it's called herbicology or herbs, herbs yeah, something, something but like it's that. like that where you just, you basically dilute it down to where you can't even smell it, but the spirit of the treatment is in there. Is there still there. So, right. And that's basically how the foundation of what I was doing with the animals was mm -hmm. taking it so far down, so far diluted. And then I learned about hydrosols, um, <clears throat> which was an eye opener to me. Because, Ooh, tell me about hydrosols. Well, it's not, sometimes they're called hydrolats or flower water mm -hmm. uh, or uh, flower milk, mm -hmm. um, plant milk, sometimes they call it. But it's actually lat, L-A-I-T, means milk in French, mm -hmm. hydro meaning water. So um, it's basically the watered down version of the steam distillation process. Now, is it a byproduct of the distillation process? Yes, you know, all the water gets separated from those VOCs, right? Yes. So, so what's left is literally the spirit of the flower. Of the, yes, and that okay. is the hydrosol. And it Interesting. is, um, the oil uh, is, does not obviously mix with water. So the oil right. floats to the top and all that oil is down at the bottom. And depending on the herbs that are being used, it takes on a milky hue, mm -hmm. you know, almost like a white or sometimes grayish white color. Mm -hmm. And so since the French were pretty much the first to really be a huge proponent for the science of aromatherapy. Mm -hmm. Hence, you can probably find a million different titles on French mm -hmm. aromatherapy. Interesting. Um, so that's why when I get Florahana, it's stamped all get out with all these checks and balances that uh, that they've gone through before I, they send them yeah. out to the people. Interesting. They, yeah. yeah. The French. I love are, Florahana. <laughs> that's a beautiful brand. I mm -hmm. mean, there and there's so many wonderful brands out there. But more mm -hmm. than anything, if you know how to how to read the labels and how mm -hmm. to understand what you're what you're purchasing, you'll do much better than to just grab something because it's 
you know, in a pretty bottle or it smells Fair good. enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. You should always know your ingredient deck, huh? Mm -hmm. They should, they should be on there. <laughs> no yeah, matter what it is. Be, there should be a, uh, a label that either can be peeled off and then open, like it's kind of folded on the bottle itself. Right. And then if you like lift the, the little tab on it, it'll open up like a little scroll. You know? mm -hmm. And then it should say uh, the, um, the origin of where the mm -hmm. plant was harvested from, where the plant came from. Uh, if it is in any type of a solution, whether it's some kind of an olive oil or avocado or sweet almond right. or some sort of a carrier, if you're buying an essential oil, it should not be pre-mixed with any kind of carrier. Right. So there shouldn't be any almond oil or whatever, nope. whatever in it as well. Yeah. And it should I think some, some do that are at the grocery store. If you just buy right. the cheapies, you know, out of the Dollar Tree or whatever, more right. than likely it's very diluted down. Yeah, very. And some will say on there, you know, right. uh, mm -hmm. fragrance oil. Mm -hmm. Or Hey. Essence of, uh -huh. I, that's what, my favorite, essence of cedarwood. Right. So, um, yeah. I want the real cedarwood. I don't want mm -hmm. its essence. If it, if it is a true essential oil, you're getting the essence of it. You're getting mm -hmm. that plant's essence. Mm -hmm. um, you're getting the essential part of that, of that plant. And, and it's not just plant. A lot of people think it's just mm -hmm. the flower, the buds, the, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It can be the root. It could be yep. the stalk stems. Uh, bark. Sometimes the yeah, the bark, absolutely. You know, um, and sometimes on some plants, the bark, the roots, the leaf, and the flower do different things. It's exactly, crazy. it's crazy. <laughs> yep, and they have different strengths. Mm -hmm. That's that's the other thing. You can use the the flower buds for something, and then if you're going to use the bark, sometimes the they remove the bark and they get the resin, which is the sap. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, and then they allow that resin, that sap to dry hard. And then we burn that. And that's, a, mm -hmm. that's what a resin is. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah. I'd like to speak to some people too. Uh, the ones who don't really think that aromatherapy is a valid or, you know, it's just a, an add on or something nice. Think of all the times that you yourself, whoever you are, have walked in somewhere and smelled fresh baked bread or cinnamon at the store. It just puts you in a mood of Christmas or uh, Thanksgiving or you know, somebody smells apple pie or hot dogs right. even can be aromatherapy of 4th of July. Yep. Everything that you, uh, when you're comfortable, there's a certain odor that you associate with that. When you're sad, there's a certain odor that comes with that. And strangely enough, when aroma, when we're talking aromatherapy, um, I like to tell people all the time, well, I'm not letting the dog know that I'm scared. Too late. Exactly. The, the, the moment you have an emotion, they can smell yeah. it on you. You're not lying to anybody but yourself. So if you're like, well, I'm trying to be calm. Well, that's not good enough. You're either calm or you're not. Or you're not. You know, yeah. so you have to cultivate the skill of controlling your odors when you are in the mix, when you're in working with the dog, getting frustrated, you need to calm down because they can smell when you're frustrated. They can smell that you are their aromatherapy, right? <laughs> you when know, give them something sweet. Me, 
when when people ask me what should I put out in my salon or what can I diffuse or what can I and I and I'm always like I'm like you yourself are the biggest diffuser there there is mm-hmm. you can put a couple drops on yourself and you will exude that oil it will go mm-hmm. out and they will be able to smell it um and you don't have to have the you know the crystal bracelets or the bracelets that have all the little things or the charms that you can add. I mean, I mean they're fun I'm, I'm and they're say, pretty. I'm, I'm a, a chachki kind of girl, you know me. I will you know usually have a hundred bracelets on, and but you don't. It's not a necessity. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we are scent based creatures, obviously yes. not as much like you said at this point, it's, it's vestibular because we're, we don't use our scent like we used to, but well, think about it. Oh, go ahead and finish your point. Go no, ahead. if you think, if you actually think about when we go places and how do they market to us, obviously mm-hmm. visually, but one of the biggest ones I always remember was Abercrombie and Fitch when they did their uh, marketing in the malls, when they were in all the malls, obviously visually they mm-hmm. had super attractive male models, you know, mm-hmm. usually shirtless and mm-hmm. super attractive young, you know, female models, but they had a diffusion system that they would diffuse a perfume and it was a specific cologne kind of musky scent and it would go out into the mall into mm. and as you people, walk by it wafted, yeah, it wafted <laughs> you now i know this for a fact that a lot of food companies will do that in like mm-hmm. a food court or mm-hmm. even with food trucks they want that exhaust. So when they're frying, just a little up, fan that pushes that smell that out. And you can smell the peppers and onions cooking on the grill, or you can smell that sweet smell of the funnel cake and the, the powdered sugar. Mm-hmm. We are we are an animal. We are a mammal. So mm-hmm. we pick up on that, and that triggers us. Mm-hmm. So In this is the layer, point I wanted to make. It totally goes with what you're saying. I think it's interesting also that we become so enamored with wearing perfume and deodorant and this, Mm -hmm. that, and the other. Do you know that half, I would say half, if not more than half of our attractiveness to person is creating a vortex where we smell their pheromones. Oh yes. Uh, And that's what attracts us. But nowadays it seems that everybody's so difficult it's so difficult for everybody to pair up and find somebody that's suited to them because they're not trying to smell for those pheromones they're trying to smell for abercrombie and fitch smell or calvin klein or you know uh whatever whatever name one name one yeah it doesn't matter if you think about it we have axe body spray uh, that would drive me crazy and make me run the other way yeah (laughs) (laughs) so strong however um you it seems to be more and more that um, a lot of couples feel like they're incompatible. And I think half of it is they're not chemically compatible. And when right. they met and when they uh, courted each other, uh, they simply were covering up something. I mean, I can't tell you how many people that I've met personally or heard stories of uh, through the internet that uh, they're allergic to their husband. Right. Uh, if you want you know, for lack of going into and being crass about it, but they're allergic to their husband. 
how would you have children with someone that you're allergic to? Like, I don't, I don't understand that because you should, we, at one time we were able to detect that. That's how you right. choose your mate, not just protect and provide at a primal level. But I mean, that smell has everything to do with your compatibility because it shows that your pheromones and hormones are compatible with the other person's pheromones and right. hormones. So I think that um, I'm not saying go back to where we just are smelly all the time, but really think about that. You should know your uh, partner's natural odor, if you will. But you should know your own you know, natural odor. You should that's know a, your own. Yeah. That's an that is an important thing because even when we get into working with pets, mm -hmm. what is natural for this animal? Like I, I, I used to have cockers and I had a lot of cockers over the years and I'm an, I'm an ear sniffer and mm -hmm. I, any ear that's a flop ear, I'm going to be, the first thing I do is lift up that ear and I just take a whiff and see if I'm picking up on anything mm -hmm. because the ear shouldn't have a smell. I mean, it can be waxy mm -hmm. or a little dirty, but it should not smell foul. It shouldn't have mm -hmm. a foul, you know, or an offensive odor to it. Mm -hmm. um, so when we have those kind of smells like that, like, as women for our body, they sell so many millions of billions of dollars in products to mask what our bodies are actually supposed to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's the same thing with, well, I mean, scented toilet paper, scented right. tampons, uh, douches that try to make you yep. feel fresh. fresh uh, yeah. yeah. The uterus and the, uh, the vagina are actually self-cleaning mechanisms just like our ears and yeah. we should not be shoving a bunch of stuff up there or cleaning it out all the time I like that it should be an outrance yeah for most of the, our lives <laughs> if it was supposed to smell like springtime rain or uh yeah. know, <laughs> very icy I mean, yes yeah great soda um no it's not but as a side note as you were saying that you smell the ear uh just for those who don't know um, if you get too close and snuffle up too much, if the ear is bad, you could actually get pseudomoniasis in your nose. Oh, yeah. So you have to be very careful of that. If you lift it up and just stay a foot away and you can smell it from there, you don't have to get your nose right down on right. it. Or if you clean the ears out and you don't wash your hands first and you, then you... I'm constantly doing this because I always have hair on my nose. Oh, yeah. So, but if well, you touch your nose with it, yeah, you're transferring that... Uh, that's ick from the ear yeah. to your own nose or to your ears or to your skin or your uh, eyes. If you rub your eyes. And, so be yeah. very careful when you do smell something uh, like that. Just be very careful around it and make sure that you either glove up or wash your hands. You know, don't let that spread around uh, because it just protects you and the next pet that you're working on. So Yeah. Well, you never want to cross contaminate any, right. you know, always always should be washing your hands in between or at the very least using some kind of hand sanitizer mm -hmm. so that you're able to make sure that you're not cross there are things that we don't see with the human eye that um, if mm -hmm. we're not cleaning in between our, our tools and that and and that such it's important to uh, to make sure we're not cross contaminating right um, mm -hmm. but uh, for me aromatherapy, was a almost like a ladder you know i started down here and was figuring it out as i went and then i would read more and then i was able to take classes and so 
um, it just slowly became my go-to mm-hmm. before I ever called myself an aromatherapist. Mm-hmm. Um, it just became, uh, well, first it just became the running joke in my family that, you know, everybody was always like, oh my gosh, it's so dumb. They call me Mimi and they'll be like, oh, Mimi, oh yeah, Mimi has oil for that. Or Mimi's trying to get you to, to put this oil on it or, and the funny thing was, was that when they actually listened to me and I gave them the blends and I made the, the, um, you know, the recipe for them and told them how to properly use it. And it worked better than a commercially prepared product that they were buying off the shelf. That was probably, you know, a petroleum based product. Uh, And uh, especially for anything that's like upper respiratory. Mm -hmm. Um, But Aromatherapy can help with fever reducer, pain, inflammation, mm-hmm. um, heal, just generalized healing of wounds. Um, I actually have, I was wounded twice. I have, a, <laughs> I have a, 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 a one, two, three, four, five punctures on oh my, my goodness. that I got the other day at work. And believe it or not, I was not bit. Those were nails. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it wasn't a cat, it was a dog. And then, um, but I was holding while the other groomer was doing the nail trim and she was, the dog was just trying to push off on my forearm and mm-hmm. just a whole bunch of drama for nothing that was hurting. We weren't doing anything terrible to her, but, um, and then yesterday when I was out, Michelle's been to my house. My, I have a pretty extensive shrubbery and garden in <laughs> shrubbery. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I am the gardening staff. I'm not bougie rich enough yet to have my own gardener, but I feel that I feel it. Um, but I was out there the other day and uh, the bougainvillea got me and mm-hmm. man, did it just get me good. And, um, and it's already healed over. Um, both of them are, and all I did was do a little roller of my Swiss Army knife that I keep in my bag all the time. It's just straight up lavender oil. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And just rolled it right on there, put it on. And then I always roll my roller top after I use it um, on, just take it and then roll it one more time over a, a cotton swab that has some alcohol mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. So that way it just, you know, kind of cleans it up, especially if you have like, like, this one from the Bougainvillea was actually bleeding. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, for your information, if you use a roller, it's like a toothbrush. Yeah. Uh, if somebody yeah. else wants to share it, make them their own roller because yeah. you don't want to share your toothbrush with them. Right. So, uh, yeah, because when you roll, you pick up all kinds of different skin cells and yeah, dead, whatever else is on your skin at the time. So you want to keep that to yourself. But <laughs> I use lavender a lot uh, for, nail trims that we may have gotten the quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll use a lavender as a known coagulant blood co- coagulant. Mm-hmm. So I will use a drop of that. And um, usually I'll do a drop of that on my finger and then get a little quick stop powder and then pop that on the end of the nail. And it tends to help the quick stop work even faster mm-hmm. to coagulate. I'm going to blow your mind right now. Okay. If you can, if you can get a hold of yarrow powder, mm. uh, this is something that they used to carry during World War One and World War Two, oh, yes, and on back to the Romans and whatnot because it 
stops the bleeding. It stops bleeding internally and externally, and it doesn't sting like Quick Stop. Right. But it does it's take fantastic. longer. It takes no. longer than the No. Standard. No, it doesn't. No. Nope. You put it right on there, and it stops the bleeding. Oh, wow. I thought it took a little longer. I thought you had mm -hmm. to have pressure and... Nope. It and, just well, does I, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. You learn something new every mm -hmm. day. I knew that um, I knew that it was a coagulant, but I, I didn't know it was that powerful. They used to actually issue it to soldiers. Well, the styptic, uh, it, it's crazy. It's yeah, salt. that's why it burns. Huh? The styptic powder is a salt. No, no, no. They used to issue yarrow powder. Oh, yarrow oh, oh, OK. To the soldiers. Yeah. Nice. That's what I they carried in their. It, I used to have it in my in my garden. I don't have anything. Oh, I still, I'm getting you a package anyway together. So you'll be getting it. So. Oh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's stuff you got to try out. Give me mine. <laughs> yeah, give me my shelf. So there's two but little I trivia things. I just started things. putting little tiny things like that, mm -hmm. like doing just little bits of things here and there. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I was just like, okay, this is just part of my practice. I'm just going to mm -hmm. make this part of my and then a client called me the oily groomer. And that's, and that's where, where it all started. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. a client was like, uh, referred me to somebody else. And I think she said it's the girl that uses the oils or something to that effect. And then that client called me and said, are you the oily groomer? And, and you're I like, was like uh, oh, yes, God. yes, I am. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I'll name. take it. It yeah. is a perfect I mean, name. I said, people have called me lots of things, but that's one that kind of just stuck. And no, I wasn't I like too it. upset it with it. It suits you so well. So I'm, I, I always say, if I am somewhere and you're talking to me, and if you say to me, show me an essential oil, and if I do not have at least a roller on me of something, I have been kidnapped. Call the police. Mm -hmm. Because it's not you. Yeah, <laughs> I almost, almost always even when i have that cute little teensy purse with me or whatever i'll i'll slide a roll because it's only as big as a chapstick mm -hmm. i'll slide that in there mm -hmm. and a crystal most of the time if i don't have it on my body then it's in you know like on a bracelet or jewelry or some way that way then mm -hmm. it's in my bra or my pockets i always have rocks in my pockets i can't tell you how many crystals i've ruined ones that can't get wet that i've washed by accident because i forgot i had them in my pockets mm -hmm. um but yeah those are just I, they're just staples for me it, it's it's a it's a comfort thing for me now at this point in mm -hmm. time it's almost like you know when they say the kitchen witch you know she goes for this she knows exactly what to throw in that pot to do this or that that's just me. It's just what, it's just what I do. It's just who I am. Yes. We are kindred kitchen witch spirits. Yeah. That's true. I, I believe that. That's, that's very true. Yeah. And I the, use it I, in all the little salves and all the things that I, that I create. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be mixing stuff up in one particular hospital and the clinic manager would walk by and he'd go, boil bubble toil and trouble <laughs> i'm like run along don't you have work to do <laughs> so i've got two little interesting little pieces of trivia that i'd like to share because it's aromatherapy um and for dogs it's that they have now found uh through recent research that they are actually also heat 
seeking sensors in a dog's nose. Uh, that is so crazy. So not only do they smell by odor, but they can actually uh, uh, send out prey through their heat as well. So they don't know how advanced it is, but they have found certain cells on the nose that are dedicated to heat, uh, heat seeking. So I thought that was interesting that is, uh, to add to our tie knowledge. In. It's got to tie in with, it has to tie in with the scent. Yeah, so it has to somehow. It's got to maybe do something with being able to break that scent down even further for them yes. to um, to evaluate. Or it's just one more level of uh, a layer of identification as well. Yeah, Not only like, does it smell like this, layers. but it also has a warmth uh, right. of some sort. You know what I mean? Uh, so they can differentiate between where a rat was or if there's still a rat sitting there. Uh, right. I think the heat has something to do with it as well as, of course, sound and whatnot. Yeah, that's, but, yeah. Yeah, so that's for the dog, and then I have a cat one as well. Uh, and a lot of cat people probably already know this, but I think a lot of groomers don't because I, I hear them say things like, and cats are notoriously uh, finicky. They'll eat two bites, and then they think their bowl is empty. Mm. Well, check this out. Uh, and I know you know this, but uh, I found out that um, a cat's sense of smell is inextricably tied to its sense of taste. So... If you fill the cat bowl up, it's got a certain amount of odor coming off of it. When the cat eats, so there's a little hole in the middle, it no longer is as odiferous as it was when it was full. So in the cat's brain, literally it senses that there's no food in the bowl. And that's why they're like that. They're not being finicky or picky. They literally cannot smell a level of odor that in their brain means food. They did an experiment, uh, and it really wasn't an experiment. It was a trial of a surgical procedure that they do for humans. So if you have a lot of uh, uh, polyps in your nose and this, that, and the other, well, they'll go in there and they'll scrape them all off, and it really helps you breathe better, right, as a human. They thought, you know what? Cats have an unusually large amount of respiratory illness and polyps and stuff going on in their sinuses, too. I wonder if this procedure is going to help them. So they took a certain amount of cats and they performed the procedure and every single cat in this uh, experiment, in this study, died of malnutrition, died of starvation. Because no matter how good the food was that they laid, no matter how plentiful it was, they could no longer smell the food and it, to them it just wasn't there. They were continuing to look for the food. The only way to have uh, kept them alive was to in feed them through a tube. Um, but that failed miserably. So they don't perform that procedure on cats for that reason. It's so tied to their sense of taste uh, yeah. that they'll starve. So I have a, a new understanding and um, a new understanding of their plight. Uh, so we like to make fun of them that they're persnickety. And they are. Yeah, However, that <laughs> credit where credits do. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, there is a, a truth based in that behavior that makes them not persnickety, like in a personality trait. Right. It simply means that that the way that they're made in their brain um, keeps them from smelling that food if it's if it's not smelly enough. And I was talking to Erin as well because she has a respiratory cat. Uh, and I said, you know, we could put this herb in this, this herb in this. If you're going to put an herb and the cat won't take it, you can put it in smelly fish oil. Mm. 
Right. Because they can smell it and they'll be like, okay, I'll eat that. It smells like food. Uh, however, her cat has no problems with the herbs being sprinkled right on its food and it eats it. She eats it, loves it. So I just thought those were two really interesting Bizarre, little trivia yeah. that, that just kind of fit into the niche of aromatherapy yeah. a little bit. So I just well, thought it was any, fun. Any way that you are using aroma in a for therapeutic benefit is aromatherapy. Mm-hmm. So um, if it's a therapeutic benefit to get your pet to take the herbs and you're using fish oil, that's a form mm-hmm. of aromatherapy so that they can smell it to be able to eat it. And then mm-hmm. by ingesting it, therefore they get the therapeutic benefits of the, of, of all of it, the whole. Right. The whole and you can literally take the herbs that you want to give instead of just putting the herbs in the oil, you could infuse those herbs in fish oil and then just right. put the fish oil on the food. Uh, that way there's no plant matter, if you will, other than right. the oils that are left behind. Uh, yeah. So that's another way of doing it for kitties. Now, uh, cats are highly sensitive creatures. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, so when using uh, essential oils around them, um, there is a extreme amount of misinformation on the internet. Um, there's also an extreme amount of conflicting information on the internet. And lastly, but not least, there's an amazing amount of confusing information about cats and essential oils on the internet. Mm-hmm. So basically it is the phenols and mm-hmm. in uh, a lot of the oils that um, they, some things you'll read that will say they lack a liver enzyme. And then some things will say that their liver is just unable to process Mm -hmm. those phenols. Either way, I have have, uh, veterinary journals that talk about the the missing enzyme, that they just do not have that enzyme at all. And then other ones say they do have that enzyme, but it's unable to process a high level of phenol Mm -hmm. content. and without getting too technical, there are phenols there. It's, it's a chemistry experiment. There are mm-hmm. phenols, there are terpenes, there are sesquiterpenes. There are, you know, it's, it, there's, it, there's a lot of jargon out there. And mm-hmm. if you use cannabis, they do the same thing with cannabis. They say, oh, this, is, this has a high, high terpenes. If you drink wine, the phenols and the and the red wine. Like for me, I don't drink red wine because I get all flush. It mm-hmm. I have I literally have allergic reaction to those phenols. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, people are like, oh, I'm flushed with the wine. And now you're having yeah. an allergic reaction. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I literally <laughs> turn into a tomato. So you know, they'll be like, Violet, you're turning violets. Like, Melissa, you look like a beefsteak, you know? <laughs> I can't do red wine. It's okay if if they cook with it, you know, and it's a little Mm -hmm. in in cooking, but it could release some of those. Mm -hmm. Right. It can release some of those phenols. So, um, so basically that's what, what the deal is. A lot of felines, uh, most felines don't do well with anything in the mint family. 
-hmm. So the spearmints, you know, uh, peppermint and, and Although so, catnip is of the mint family. It is. <laughs> and there are some exceptions. Mm -hmm. So, um, but catnip is, I'm trying to find the right word for it, is uh, almost like a hallucinogen for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, And, you know, catnip is also good for pregnant mothers with uh, morning sickness yes catnip tea is tea yeah is is the the bomb for that so so even too much catnip like some cats will have adverse reactions if mm -hmm. you give them too much or you let them uh entertain themselves with catnip toys for long periods of mm -hmm. time they will throw off their equilibrium it can mm -hmm. make them irritable you're uh, doping them up <laughs> yeah you're literally doping them up so um, while it's funny to watch them and we enjoy it, and I'm sure the cats enjoy partaking as well, it, it has to be in a monitored amount of time. Right, and, and it's so unregulated. Oh, Melissa, right. the dosage of an herb for a cat is literally an eighth of a teaspoon yeah. twice a day. And then they just give them a mouse that's stuffed with catnip. They make yep. a hole. They just eat it and roll eat in it, it and carry it. It's it. like, holy yeah. cow. Just a small amount of loose catnip on the floor. Eighth of, eighth of a teaspoon is yep. all you need. You can still laugh at them. They still have a reaction. Run along. But but right. wow, that's a lot when you're just handing them a catnip toy. Yeah. You know, or a, just a big clump of catnip. And they're catnip. just rolling. Yeah. You know, it's a vat of catnip. So. It should be, it's like anything else, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like if you partake in cannabis, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you know what, what strains, what it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, so when we're working with felines, we want to stay away from primarily the mint family. Obviously catnip is, is a great thing in moderation. Um, but we also want to stay away from the citruses because of the high phenolic content. So when we have things like, uh, and, and the citruses also have something called D-limonene. Mm -hmm. So it's in lemons, it's in limes, it's in oranges, tangerine, you know, mm -hmm. anything that is a citrus, grapefruit. Um, D-limonene, while it is an amazing way to keep bugs and pests and parasites away it is also detrimental to felines poisonous i'll say it poisonous yeah. it's it poisonous it's not up. detrimental it's put straight up yeah it's poisonous stop and it, it will, it will <laughs> shut it will shut their liver down i mean yeah. like just shut liver function down so be aware when you're reading uh, ingredients on shampoos that say safe for cats and dogs, and then you read the ingredients or it says it's a flea and tick and it's, you know, uh, D-limonene. Right. Straight up. Straight up. Uh-uh. It's not <laughs> safe for cats at all. And it should be used in very small amounts, even for canines. Mm -hmm. um, it's extremely volatile in the sense that, that is the main ingredient in a wonderful product called Gooby Gone that eats through glue, paper, you know, all those things mm -hmm. to get that gooey, sticky residue off of anything. Mm -hmm. That's D-limonene in there. Yeah. It's a and solvent. 
it's a solvent. So um, cats are extremely, extremely delicate. Their skin is, is far more delicate than, um, than a dog's skin. So when we are doing things around or with felines topically, your best bet is to go with a hydrosol. Mm-hmm. And you can purchase or, or an herbal tea or an, right, or <laughs> something that you can control the, the, the concentration. The of. Yeah. The concentration mm-hmm. of it. So um, that's always a big one. True lavender is not poisonous or detrimental. I'm, I'm oh, sure that's anything, right. anything could be detrimental in the huge amounts. Sure. You know, but true lavender even though I'm sure that they've read a million different articles and it says cats should not be exposed to lavender. That's not true. Are you telling them about lavender? Yes. And there is, there's, there's over 150 different varieties, actually closer to 700 different varieties of lavender, the plant, Mm -hmm. but lavender is something that when you're looking at your, um, not your directions, your ingredients. And it says lavender. That is a synthetic. That mm-hmm. has been made in a laboratory. And one of my least favorite, but favorite commercials was for a air freshener company. And they literally said, use this. It smells more like lavender than real lavender. <laughs> And that was just so cringeworthy to me. It's like. If anybody has smelled real lavender, nothing smells more real than real lavender. Right. That's what it you smells know, like. Yeah. <laughs> it's you overpowering. It is a heavy oil. You know, it's a very heavily scented oil. And mm. so, you know, it's not sweet. It shouldn't be sweet and super flowery um, mm. or perfumey. No, it's like an astringent. Yes. Yeah, it has it's a like bite. a rosemary or yeah, yes. a bite. Yes. That's a good um, way of putting so it. So you can, you can use true lavender around cats. Would I put it ever put, I would never put anything neat or undiluted onto a no. cat and or a I, or a dog. And I would never use, especially with felines, I dilute down to the most minute amount until you can monitor them and see what they're you know able to tolerate because mm-hmm. just like humans they all have different tolerance levels absolutely doesn't matter what the species is mm-hmm. when we talked about tea on the other podcast we talked about you can even diffuse teas mm-hmm. a lot yeah, of that people- was crazy what a what a light bulb moment yeah. <laughs> you know? if you're if you're afraid of uh putting different formulas of your essential oils in the same diffuser because they right. can be hard to clean they're mm-hmm. little you know unless you can peel them all the way back to the cup and take the cup out and scrub it sometimes you all you have is that little brush you know depending right. on what model you have uh so if you just get a fresh one get a new one and just do tea all you have to do is rinse it out like it's crazy and maybe spray some alcohol in there to sterilize it yeah or you could do a hydrosol which is very the mm-hmm. next step up from a tea right mm-hmm so um diffusion diffusion there there are certain ways you should use aromatherapy topically inhalation and then some people 
if you're working with a qualified holistic professional, will take oils internally, whether mm-hmm. it's in tinctures, you know, and they're mm-hmm. in a carrier. Um, some will do them in a, uh, <coughs> excuse me, in an infusion with the, mm-hmm. with other oils. Um, but I never recommend that unless you are working with a licensed professional that is able to uh, ascertain your exact need mm-hmm. and the correct dosage. Because essential oils are so concentrated. You just don't understand how concentrated they are. So one drop of lemon is like 30 lemons. Like it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous amount. Yeah. In Um, in my, in my class on the um, uh, pet aromatherapy for the pet professional, I talk about uh, one drop of peppermint oil is equal to I think it was a hundred cups of peppermint tea. Mm-hmm. So Can you even try- imagine trying to drink a hundred cups of tea? Yeah. Of the same thing. Right. That's not good for you. No, <laughs> that's so not good that, for you. That's why it, it, when I don't think they really grasp the concept of the high concentration level that right. they are. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at these recipes online and you're, and it's like uh, 47 drops of lemon. That is like mind blowing. Unless you're making a gallon of something. Unless you're making a vat of something. There's no reason to use 47 drops of nothing. (laughs) I mean, be very careful where you're getting your, you know, where you're getting your information from. And, um, and when you're working around animals, I actually had a, 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 a groomer come up to me after one of my classes at one of the, I think it was one of the Barkley shows I was teaching. Mm-hmm. And they were talking to me and they said they were in a thousand foot shop, square foot shop, and they had six diffusers in 1,000 square feet. I and I was, like, I was like, why? Oh, That's we have one. And they're all going all day long with different things in them. And they're like, oh, one's by the tub, one's in the kennel room, one's in the back where we dry. We have one up front where the people come in. We have now we've talked about this before. Dogs have such heavy and so do cats have such heavy scent receptors. How are they not just overwhelmed? They are. They are yeah. overwhelmed. Even if you would have several diffusers going with the same scent, right? that's overwhelming. Uh, I can't imagine having several with each one having a different scent also. Yeah. And it, it, especially if you're using essential oils and not perfumeries, like from Adar right. Bazaar, is, is just straight scent. It's not a, a, a volatile oil right. compound. Um, I can't imagine. That's a lot. That is a lot, a lot. You should be diffusing for every, about every, and, and on your diffuser, <clears throat> when you purchase one, there should be, um, on the label, it tells you about how many square foot it covers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pay very close attention to that. And even though almost every single one comes with up to eight hours, you know, the little settings that you can set them to run for one hour, 
-hmm. and then be off for anywhere from four to six hours. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And then you can rerun it again if you'd like to. Mm -hmm. You need to allow the animals to be able to get to fresh air. Again, we go nose blind. Our bodies shut. We we have a natural ability. Our brain says, ah, we smelled that enough all day long. We're not paying attention to We're that We're just anymore. not going to smell it anymore, right? <laughs> Shutting that off. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, people that like work in certain industries and they're around like people that work in the fish markets and it mm-hmm. doesn't, it just gets to the point where it doesn't bother them anymore. Yeah. Um, it still smells. They just can't smell it. Right. They can't <laughs> smell it anymore. Your brain literally, it is a thing that it's, I don't remember what it's called, but it, your brain literally says, this is a constant. So we it's know. Fatigue. This, right. It's a form it, of fatigue. And your brain just says, we're just not paying attention to that anymore. We're not devoting mm, any more. It's too overwhelming. To that. Yeah. Right. So you need to always make sure that the animal has a way to escape that diffusion. You Mm -hmm. also, which means that if, if you have, if you're somewhere where there's kennels that they have somewhere that they can go into, or you're able to pull a a, a towel or something over to, over the kennel to uh, block that from coming in. Also understand, give them a break for sure. And understand that when that diffuser is running, it's uh, microscopic drops of water with, with oil floating on top. Mm Mm-hmm. So it is not the same as just spraying an air freshener. Mm-hmm. So those little droplets are going to fall and they're going to fall and microscopically splash and spread that oil to wherever the water. Yeah. It's not just a scent. It's touching them too. Exactly. <laughs> Falling on their nose, their nose. mucous membranes. They're breathing it in through their, the meat, past the meat of their mouths on their jaw. Yep. All the things, yeah. Into their eyes, you know, mm-hmm. and then think about cats who lick themselves on a regular basis. So your placement is paramount. And I talk about mm-hmm. all this in um, in my pet aromatherapy. I have a four-hour class. I, it should be So up. how do people sign up? I was just going to say it should be up on my website probably by next week. It'll be up and available. So just watch on my social media I'll be announcing that. Um, I do have quite a bit of new classes coming up on my website. So, um, and they are done through Zoom. And we are able to go back and watch at your leisure and um, partake when you're ready to to do that. And you also get put into um, a private group for that class. Facebook nice. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So then they can get in and they can talk to one another. Can I ask and, how much it would cost? Uh, the the four hour will be the four hour pet aromatherapy is the uh, two fifty. Mm-hmm. So um, and that will give you all your basics. And I talk about how to use diffusers and where to place them. And mm-hmm. well, um, are there advanced classes past this there, four hour? If you want, there will be coming more uh, more advanced. Like how to formulate and um, yes, maybe and get into some uh, and understanding yeah. how you build on notes, um, mm-hmm. the layer, the different layers of, of scent and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and therapeutic benefit as well. Why we group oh, nice. things together. Mm-hmm. So yes, those will be coming, but, but first I need to get the book out. That is, okay. uh, that is on, um, 
that needs to be ready to go by the 1st of September. Okay. So, so that's what you'll yes. be working on before all this basically comes out. Right. Those, well, the, the four hour class should be up in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. And then the advanced and the books and the right. and and stuff is coming out. Right. Later. Okay. Excellent. So. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. That was very informative. And for anyone who is just now thinking about getting into aromatherapy, uh, I recommend her course highly. I think that it's going to be great. I think that it's going to dispel a lot of myths uh, about using essential oils. And I do trust her implicitly. I trust Melissa <laughs> because she does work with a lot of cats. And uh, I just believe she wouldn't do anything that would harm them. So she no. has done her due diligence, taken her her courses and learn from her mentors. And I think this would be a great way to get in touch with your essential oil side. Should you want to put that in your practice? Yeah. All right. It's a nice add on. It is. I hear the music. So this was about aromatherapy. We will come back at you. Um, we are live on Mondays. Uh, the first week of every month, and then the rest are recorded. If you have any questions about uh, our topics or whatever, drop us a line, Michelle at All Things Pa, and Melissa at TheOilyGroomer.com. Perfect. So we will see you next time, and may your next sip be just as delicious as your last.